tiny little water bottle I've got up here. <laughs> so it's, I got a frog too. I guess I'm giving it water is not a good. There's also a frog in the projector and everything. There's frogs everywhere at church, but hey, we'll go to Bubby's and get frog legs afterwards and teach them. I'm going to stop. Um, anyway, good morning, everyone. Thank you all for uh, being here today. I'm excited that we're here um, in person this week. Um, hopefully, I know, I, mean, I know many of you probably joined us last week from our living room and <laughs> joined us from the, the live stream there. If you listen very carefully, you may have heard Jenna hacking up a lung in the, in her, in the bedroom. If you, you can go because, you know, she was coughing. It's got, she's gotten a lot better. She actually looked at me um, after communion and said, I can taste it. And so she's doing much better. So thank you for, on behalf of her for all the prayers. Um, she's doing much, much better, just trying to get the energy back. But church, I know it's just been a weird few weeks. Um, I know maybe you're like, well, not for me, Mike. Life's been pretty normal for us. Things have been a little crazy the past few weeks. You know, when we had that one snowstorm, we lost power for a couple of nights. I know some of you all probably did as well. And we, we gave us a good chance to clean out all the old condiments in the fridge. And so we, it's restocked now, getting there. Um, and uh, that was fun. Then we've had sickness and quarantine. It's just been a weird few weeks. But now I'm excited to be back with you guys this morning. So thank you all again for being there. And if you're at home watching, again, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Um, the last few weeks, uh, we've been in this conversation. We've been in this series titled The Book of Proverbs. And we've not been walking through the book, but we've been kind of doing a topical type of conversation. We're picking out some topics and pulling out what Proverbs tells us about it. Proverbs was primarily written by Solomon after Jesus, the wisest man to ever walk the earth. And for many of us, we should have a goal to make 2022 better. And it's almost February, so it's about to do your one-month checkup on how the, how the year's been going so far. But a lot of our goal has been, let's be better this year. Let's be better um, physically. Let's be better mentally. Let's be better spiritually. Let's get better in the Word. Let's just be better. And so what's a better way to get better than to look at how to be more wise when it comes to all these different conversations we've been having? We've talked to, we spent one Sunday talking all about priorities. I think that was the last one we had when we actually met together um, here in the sanctuary. Um, the following week, we talked all about um, you know, our finances. Is God our number one priority in the way we spend, make, save, invest, and use our money? And then last week, I believe we talked about our relationships. Is God your number one relationship? And how does your relationship with him affect all of your other relationships? Because our relationship with everyone else should come from our relationship with God himself. And it should impact us on how we live our lives. And also, um, you know, one thing we're doing this year is we're trying to get serious about getting into the Word of God. I heard this um, said every single Sunday for many, many, many years, you know, uh, growing up with Keith Short, said you had to get into the Word so the Word can get into you. That's, I heard that for, I can't even tell you how many years um, growing up. And so our goal this year is to get serious about getting into the Word. Because for some of us, even if we've been believers for 10, 20, 30 years, we may not be serious about the Word yet. And that's the reason we're doing this memory work. You know, the past few weeks we haven't been able to do that because we haven't had the sermon notes out in front of us. But you'll see that on your bulletin. And I challenge you this week, church, to look at that verse, memorize it, use it. Mike, what's the purpose? When we open up the Bible and we look at the stories, we look at the events that took place, what do people do whenever they get into times of crisis? Yes, they pray, but they quote Scripture because they knew that this was the most powerful tool God gave us. It's our most deadly weapon that he gave us to use against Satan. What good is it if we don't even know what it says? Let's get into the Word, church, so we can then get into us. So this morning, we're going to continue on with this conversation of looking at through the book of Proverbs and getting some stuff out of it. And today, I'm excited. I like this conversation. And it's because of this. I'll ask you a question. What do all these following people have in common? We've got the Incredible Hulk. 
There he is. <laughs> we got the Hulk. We've got the Tasmanian Devil. Taz, I believe. We got Donald Duck. Yosemite Sam. And my favorite, favorite, Squidward. What do all these people have in common, church? Anger. That's something they're all known for, is how they respond and act through their emotions. Church, today we're going to be talking about that topic. Anger is a plague of the heart. It's a disease that takes many people to the grave. It sticks with them to their grave. Many of you right now know people in your life whose lives have been ruined through anger. The way they respond to everyone relationships, they were burned, they were destroyed through anger. Maybe many of yours. Anger destroys jobs, opportunities, relationships, and it wrecks havoc on our soul. Benjamin Franklin said, whatever is begun in anger ends in shame. You know, I'm going to be honest with you for a minute, church. You know, sometimes, a lot of times I, ha I talk about topics and sometimes they really apply to me, sometimes they don't, and I hope they apply to other people. But today is one that applies to me a whole lot. Person, I, I, this is, be honest, Mike, anger is something I struggle with. Like, really, Mike, you seem to be pretty jolly. Well, I try to be. Sometimes it's an effort. I'm someone who can, it's easily for me to get upset and for it to ruin my day. I'm someone who maybe sometimes it gets really frustrated and I get mad, and a lot of times it stays in my head. And so I'm sinning in my mind with my anger. It might not come out in everyone else. I'm being dead serious when I tell you this. Before me and Jenna ever got married, um, even before, you know, we weren't married yet, so obviously we weren't living together, but whenever something would happen, I would get upset. You know, she would catch a lot of that. You know, things, bad things happened. I just threw all the garbage out on her. And she looked at me one day before we ever got married and said, Michael, if you do not do something about your anger, I will not marry you. We're married. Church, let me ask you this question. Is there anyone here who struggles with anger? If that was a quick no, I now want you to ask your spouse. Ask your kids, ask your neighbor, ask whoever's closest to you. No finger pointing, I saw a few. Um, listen to this quote, Andy Stanley. It is when our hearts are stirred that we become most aware of what they contain them. You know, because it's usually a lot of times, even if we're an angry person, doesn't always mean we're just 24-7. It's usually when something bad happens and all that junk that's built up through the day, the week, the year, whatever, then it just unloads onto someone. And I think you know what I'm talking about whenever that happens. I'm going to be completely honest. A lot of our conversation today, um, I got a lot of this out of this book. It's by Andy Stanley. It's called Enemies of the Heart. Excellent book if you're someone who struggles with anger. It looks at these main enemies, these main diseases that attack our heart. And he goes through anger, uh, greed, jealousy, and... Uh, the other one may have been lust. I can't remember the fourth one. But all these things, and, and anger is one of them. So I'm going to talk a whole lot about what he says with this. Because church, here's the problem with anger. Mike, anger is not that bad. God gets upset at times. Jesus was angry, and then everyone you know likes to quote the passage with him in the temple. But you'll notice what happens when, the, when, when Christ became upset. It was justified, and he went to the source. Everyone around him just didn't catch, you know, uh, balls of anger flying out of him. Only what was justified. This television show named Monk. I never really got too much into it. My older brother was a big Monk fan. Um, there's a captain in that movie. His name's Captain Scottlemayer. I may have pronounced it incorrectly. There's one episode in, this, in the TV show where he's accused of something false. He gets so mad that he punches one of the officers in the, in, in, in the, in the station. 
And this officer gets upset, and it leads to relationship issues. It leads to work issues. He actually punched him in the middle of a crime scene. Then it caused crime scene issues. Then it caused problems for this person to eventually get arrested. Church, when we act out on anger, it's a domino effect. One bad word, one time to raise your voice and strike. All it takes is one thing that leads to so much garbage that happens in our lives. So I really want you to be honest. Do you have a problem with anger? Like I said, if you answered quick no, or if you answered no quickly, ask those closest to you if they agree. It may not apply to you a whole lot. Some of us don't have anger issues, but I bet you a lot more of us do than we would like to admit. You know, here's our main point for the day. A wise person is patient with others and mature in handling anger. I want you to notice that. A wise person is patient with others and is mature in handling anger. You know, this whole series we're talking about wisdom. Notice what it says. It does not say a wise person doesn't become angry. It does not say the anger never become or not why. It doesn't say that. It says a wise person is patient with us and mature in handling anger. How do you react whenever you become upset? Because it's impossible, church, to ever go without being angry. That's, that's a false narrative. Whoever says it's, in, that it's possible you know, to, to never have anger, that's not true. We're going to get mad. <laughs> but how do we handle it, church? So let's get a little bit more basic on why do we become angry? Like, why do we get mad? And I really like this understanding. You may not agree with me, but hear me out. We get mad, we get angry when we don't get our way. Well, I mean, obviously, Mike, but there's a deeper meaning to it. Well, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. We get mad when we don't get our way. Start listing out examples of why someone would be angry. I've got a list here. Um, after a loss. Oh, my God. This person, you know, I lost a relative, I lost a friend. You didn't want that to happen. You didn't get your way. Well, Mike, I'm upset because I didn't get what I wanted at work. You know, my boss was mean to me. I didn't deserve that. You didn't get your way. Well, Mike, I'm losing money. The stock market's this. Oh. You didn't get your way. Well, Mike, this person did something bad to me. It's not like it's my fault. You didn't get what you wanted. Church, we get mad when we don't always get our way. And sometimes those ways are justified, and some, a lot of times they're not. We are angry when things happen to us that we don't think we deserved, if we get down to the nitty-gritty. So I want to use this metaphor today. I'll say this multiple times over the next several minutes. It is this. In our minds, whenever we're angry, that person, that event, is in debt to us. When we're mad, it's because that person owes us something. They owe us what that word, that comments, the, the, the job, the promotion, whatever it is, the life. That situation is now in debt to us. And in our mind, the only way for us to not be mad, to not get angry, is if they pay off the debt. They take back what they said. They give me what I deserve. We get what we want. In our minds, that's how the anger would be resolved. But here's the problem. We're not talking about actual money when I use the word debt here, but let's, let's talk about it for a second. How many debts are unresolved financially in the world right now? A lot. I tried to do research this week on that, try to find how many uh, millions of dollars you know, go to collections every year, and it was hard to find that number. We're not good at paying off those debts, but we're also not good at paying off emotional debts either. You know, it's interesting if you 
<coughs> excuse me. It's interesting if you if you look up the the U.S. Department of Interior defines a fire. Excuse me. It, it defi it, ugh, anything that can burn is fuel for a fire. It doesn't have to be gasoline. It doesn't have to be you know kerosene. Anything that can burn is technically by the government listed as fuel for fire. And this is the reason they take so much um, priority. Like, you know, to get rid of things that can be fuel for fire. That's why in these natural, in these big forests, they, they take so much effort to make sure they get up the dead trees. If a tree's about to die, whack it down, clean up the leaves, make sure there's no debris. Because when they fail to do this, fires start. So in your life right now, what debris do you need to get rid of? Because all it's doing is fueling your I think for some of us, there's some debris we need to get rid of. We need to clean it out. We need to chop it down. <laughs> because even though it may have happened 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago, the fire is just continuing to get hotter and hotter and hotter. I'm being serious, by the way. If you really did say no, I'm not an angry person, ask those closest to you. You may be shocked on what they tell you. And if they hesitate, that means yes. Because <laughs> they're nervous. Because you're getting angry. See, see this, is what, this, is, this is the order here. This is what happens. Look with me, Proverbs chapter 15. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Now let's fast forward all the way up to the book of James, chapter 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Notice the words again. It doesn't say never get angry. Slow to become angry. Church, are you slow to listen? Or excuse me, quick to listen, slow to speak? Sorry. Are you slow to become angry? Because I know there's things in my life, it just takes one little thing. Because you know why? Because all that garbage, all that fuel is in there waiting. So I haven't cleared some of it out. Church, what do you need to clear out? What do you need to get out of your life? That way you can not stop being so angry. Because you know what's happening? You're destroying relationships. You're destroying things. If anger burns whatever's in its path. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 24 today for a little bit. If you want to open up there, it'll also be up on the screen. It says this, verse, excuse me, verse, my mind's out of the church. I've been quarantined for too long. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 24. I'm sorry. Here we go. The wealth of the wise is their crown. But the folly of fools yields folly. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. There's a sermon in those two verses. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. A large population is a king's glory, but without subjects the prince is ruined. Listen here, verse 29. Whoever is patient and has great understanding, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. You hear what the Bible's telling us, church? If you're quick to anger, you're being foolish because you didn't take the time to get rid of the fuel. There's things in my life that I know, it just takes one little thing sometimes in that area and it burns, something I really have to work on. Maybe you do too. 
you look here, depending on what version you have, my, 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 I've got the NIV. I think King James may actually use the word anger there in some of these passages. But there in verse 29, the, the, Greek, the, the Hebrew word for anger there is af. You've got, you got, you got to really say it there. And this pronunciation is rooted in the concept that someone who is angry, that their nostrils are flaring. They're so mad that their nostrils are flaring. And you can hear it with that word, af. <laughs> Your nostrils are flaring. It's a serious word. That's how frustrated you are. Some things make us so angry, and denying that would be so immature and so foolish of us to do. This is why this proverb states that whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. Church, you're going to get tired of me asking. Are you, do you have a problem with anger? Let's go, look all the way to the book of Romans. Chapter 8 says this, verse 28. And we know in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. But someone who understands how God operates in this world should be slower to anger. We aren't at times. So church, here's the key to anger. Here's the key. Remember that illustration we talked about, about how uh, whenever we're angry, it's really because someone did us wrong or the world. We didn't get what we wanted. That person, that event, that's, that's in debt to us. And we feel like the only way we can have peace is if that person just owns up to the debt. Church, that's not how the world works at times. So you know what the reality is on how to cure anger? Forgiveness. We have to cancel the debt. That's a hot topic in the political world. But let's talk about the spiritual world for a second. The key to cure angles for us to cancel the debt. We have to learn, church, to forgive. I'm like, I don't know who I need to forgive, but I'm so mad all the time. So maybe you need to go back 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago to whatever it was, whoever it was, whatever that situation may have been, because it's destroying your relationships. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 4. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. In other words, get rid of the fuel. <laughs> get rid of all the bitterness, the rage, the anger, brawling, every form of malice, everything that's causing you to sin, get it out of your life. I love this. When we read this, it says to get rid of. You know, the Greek term here is used to, it means to literally remove it. Remove it from yourself. Have you ever been walking and you hit a spider web? And, you're, and you go, oh, freaking in here. And it's like you're having an exorcism there in the moment. I mean, you're freaking out. Church, I'm going to be completely honest with you. There's many things in life I'm scared of. Jenna can attest. <laughs> Snowy roads are one of them. You should have seen me Friday night coming home from Lexington. Ooh, I was about crying. There's many things in life I'm scared of. There's not many worse than a spider. I'm being serious. If one appears in this room, you're on your own. Daryl, you're up. <laughs> I mean, I saw you think that's a joke. Uh, ask Jenna. <laughs> I don't do spiders. Like if I hit that web, I'm freaking out. I can't stand it. And that's what God tells us to do with the things. Rip it off. Why, what are you waiting on? It's causing you so much pain, so much discomfort. You're like, well, I'll get to it at the beginning of the month. Let me make my list. I'll take my time. It doesn't say do that. Like, get rid of it. Take it off. Remove it. What about a bee? You ever been sung by a bee? You get a bee in your shirt. There was one time I was, I was still at home. And I, I don't remember what I was doing outside something. And then I started getting stung by some bees. 
And man, between the driveway and the door, I was about naked. I mean, it was just, <laughs> we got to get rid of it. The things that cause us this pain, but yet we won't do that to what causes us anger. He doesn't say, take your time. Get rid of it. If we keep reading this verse, actually, before we get there, I want to, I want to read you this. I told you I, I stole a lot out of this book for this. I, want, I just wanted to read this. It won't be up on the screen. A couple of paragraphs here. I love this. When it's talking about the source of our anger. This is what it says. It's these feelings of victimization that fuel our justifications and our excuses. A victim will always have an excuse. Because remember, when someone's in debt to us, we are the victim, right? In fact, a victim can write off just about any kind of behavior. After all, look at the way he's been treated. Look at what she's had to endure. What should we expect from someone who has suffered like that? And so pain can hurt and create an unusable wall of excuses and rationalizations. It's time we come to believe the lie. It's okay for you to behave the way you do. You have no choice. For you, this behavior is perfectly acceptable. You're under no obligation to change. You have every right to be the way you are. And in the end, we have no incentive to change. After all, it's just easier to stay the same and to make excuses. Victims don't want to be proactive about changing. They want to be proactive about making sure the person who hurt them pays. And so we spend our energy telling our sad stories rather than taking responsibility for our behavior. Church, we victimize ourselves now. Who in here struggles with anger? Let's keep reading that verse. Go back to Ephesians. Let's just read the second one. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Look at what verse 32 says. The complete opposite. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Paul is now saying do the complete opposite. Get rid of all the fuel in your life, all the stuff that catches on fire, but now put on compassion. And learn to forgive just as God forgave you. Well, Mike, that's hard. But this is difficult. You don't know what that person did to me. It's easy for Paul to write that because he didn't know what I was going through. You know where Paul was, church, when he wrote this letter? He was sitting in a, in a prison cell in Rome. He was extradited to Rome. He's been there for around a year, give or take, whenever this was written. And yet he's saying, you know what the goal is to not be angry? Forgiveness. Jesus even talks about it. Let's go to the gospel. Matthew chapter 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? The Bible talks a lot about forgiveness, if you haven't noticed. Up to seven times, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he begun the settlement, the man owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt. He let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him and he said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me 
and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? It's hard to forgive. It says forgive as Christ forgave us or as God forgave us through Christ. Because we're that servant. You realize that? How many of us have prayed for forgiveness? God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. But yet we can't forgive those or the world or whatever for how bad they did us. And Jesus said it. Straight out of his mouth. That's what the kingdom's like. Because we're too selfish. We've got too much fuel in our hearts, church, and we need to clean it out. This book also says unresolved anger has a multi-generational implications. It's a domino effect. I bet a lot of us who are angry today probably came from a parent or a sibling or a relative or something. To refuse to forgive is to choose to self-destruct. Church, who has an issue with anger? Let me, let me tell you the truth. There's a, it's, it's very likely that debt, they're never going to pay the debt. You're going to have to choose to cancel it. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for loving us. God, forgive us for being angry. Forgive us for ignoring your mercy on us. God, help us to identify the fuel, the garbage, Lord, the past trauma, or help us to, to recognize it and clean it out so we can be responsible whenever we get upset. God, help us. Lord, if there's someone here today, Lord, who this has just been something that has plagued them for so many years, Lord, allow their eyes and their hearts to be open to what you're trying to tell them so they can get closer to you. God, help me as I deal with this also. God, we love you, and we ask this in your son's name. Amen. Church, um,